You're listening to the Community Church in Orange podcast. We hope you enjoy today's episode. ...through my wife and I, and so when we are looking forward to the plan and the fulfillment of God's will, it must always encompass His purpose for who we are. And I think that if we'll get on board with the plan of God, you can just see that things will begin to work. And I'll tell you right now, church, things are beginning to work really incredibly well. God is doing some magnificent things. In the coming months, we're going to be kicking off some incredible things around the building. Our kitchen is going to be put back together. We've got all the projects that are lining up, finances with FEMA, and all these things are coming into. But, you know, even in that, the enemy still comes in and he tries to attack, but God's made a promise to me that the gates of hell will never prevail against his church. Hallelujah. Amen. And so we've been praying about Pentecost Sunday, and Dr. Dole Jones will be coming with us. He was a professor and a mentor to me. I serve on his missions board. He's an evangelist. He doesn't call himself an apostle yet. I know he is an apostle of the Lord, one of the fivefold gifts of the ministry, and he's planted churches all over the world. Uh, two of them now run about 25,000 people. God uses him in incredible ways all over. People are baptized in the spirit and healed. I'm telling you this, if you need healing in your body, if you need anything from Jesus, you make sure that you're in the house next week because people are going to be healed in this house. Amen? And then the following week, this just kind of come up. It's a last-minute item that's been added on. We had the opportunity for a man by the name of Daniel Cabrera that Stephen is very well-connected with. It's an anointed evangelist. He's from Buenos Aires, Argentina. And if you know anything about what's gone on in South America, you know that the power of God has operated in great capacity. Churches have been just blown up and the presence of God outpouring. And so the following week, we're going to actually be having a bilingual service with with evangelist Daniel Cabrera. I want you to mark that on your calendar. Plan to be here because Jesus is going to pour out in a great way. I believe that we are beginning the formations and the foundations. Listen to this. Of the revival that God is taking Community Church forward to into the future. He is rebirthing. He is repurposing. He is renewing and he is refreshing what God he wants to do in this house. And that all happens as we are very, very clearly listening to the voice of the Spirit of God. I wanted to share a message with you this morning because as we are moving and been praying about Pentecost Sunday, um, this message I've entitled, Living a Life with Purpose. And Ephesians chapter 1, it says, verse 11, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I just thank you for the, the freedom already felt in the house and for the lives that have already been touched and changed. God, we thank you for our graduates. We thank you for our teachers, your blessing upon them. God, for our graduates as they're stepping out into a new place in life, Father, that you would help them, Holy Spirit, to find your purpose and your will for their lives. And God, I pray that in this house today that maybe there are those that are seeking for foundations and purpose. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give me clarity of speech and thought to communicate adequately to your people, Father. Open our ears and our hearts to receive that engrafted living word of God that would transform us and change us from within. In Jesus' name, amen. So there once was a man who, who netted three trout from a mountain stream and carefully placed them side by side on a thick patch of grass. Before he removed them from the water, they were like liquid ballet in motion, fluid, graceful, vibrant, alive. And after he netted them, 
it was, it was another story. As the trout lay in the grass, they were motionless. Their eyes were fixed, they gasped for air, and they looked and acted as though they were stupid. The man noticed that they seemed unhappy, so he talked to them, hoping that his encouragement would change them. Little fish, don't be sad. You'll, you're like the, you'll like the grass. Just try it out for a while. No movement, no response, no change. A few more seconds passed, and the man's neighbor walked by. Hey, Bob, come and check out these fish. Bob sauntered over, and the man explained that, this was the, that he was certain that the fish could adjust. I'm sure they could prosper here on the grass, don't you agree? Why not, Bob replied. So he also tried to tell the fish it would be good if they learned to like the grass. After all, he liked grass. Why shouldn't they? Still, the fish didn't blink. They just lay there looking dumber by the second. Finally, a little boy approached them, exclaimed, What are you doing? Put them back. They can't be all they've been created to be when they're out of the water. Finally convinced, the man carefully placed each fish back in the stream. After splashing for a split second, all three swam away effortlessly. Again, it was like liquid ballet with ease, with what grace, what beauty. In that moment, the man realized that no matter how long the fish lay there, they would never adjust to the grass and would never be satisfied. No matter how much he or anyone else told them otherwise, even if the fish tried to convince themselves they could learn to like their grass, they never would and they would never prosper. In fact, they would eventually die. You know, you were created with a purpose. You were created, and I would tell you that this, that you were really created to be a vessel and a container of the spirit of the living God. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that when God created man, he breathed the breath of life into man. That word breath in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament written in the Hebrew, the word breath there is ruach in the Hebrew, and it means spirit. So in essence, when God formed man from the dust of the ground, it wasn't that he just formed him to be a physical being with a heartbeat and organs and blood and tissue, but there was also that when he breathed physical animated life into man, he breathed also eternal spiritual life. So in essence, you are a cup. You are a container. As some people, I heard a man say this one day, I'm an old mud pot. <laughs> you are a vessel to contain the spirit of the, of the living God. And so what we have is we have a world today that is trying to take and to place in the one spot that Jesus should be, they try to, they try to replace it with all sorts of things. They try to place money there only to find that money does not satisfy. They try to place things there only to find that things do not satisfy. They try to place relationships in the spot that God really can only satisfy. And so what we have is we have a world that is seeking purpose in things that will never ultimately fulfill their purpose. Just like these fish, they were created to live in that environment. And when they are taken out of that environment, they find themselves gasping for air, dying. So we have a world today that doesn't understand that they were created to live in the environment of the presence of God. And as a result of that, there is a world today that is living purposeless and at the end of the day, meaningless lives. The only real meaning to life is what you do for eternity. As I said before, you are going to live forever. It's either you will be in smoking or non-smoking. Amen? You are an eternal being. 
You are never going to die. Your body may physically die at some point, but you have a spirit and a soul that will live forever and ever and ever. And so I believe that the Lord wants you to hear this word because maybe there is a gnawing dissatisfaction in your life that you have maybe spent years and months and days in pursuit of things really that never really fulfilled you. Maybe you've pursued a career in thinking, especially when you're young and younger, that, that you are a human doing instead of knowing that you are a human being. And in doing, we think that we find purpose and fulfillment. But as you get older, you find out that the do can't do so much. Amen. We've been working really hard in our yard, and I am so sick of planting plants. I told Leslie, I'm not planting another one. So don't give me no plants, folks. Joe Beetle gave me some plants yesterday, and I was like, I went home. I said, I'm getting them suckers in the ground because I know if I don't put them in the ground right now, they're going to die. That's the truth. I found out that this body hurts a little more from things that it used to not really be bothered by. So as you get older, if you are finding purpose in the things that you do, you will find out you may not be able to do the things that you used to do. And if your purpose of who you are is rooting it, rooted in that, then the reality you will find that as you get older, you are unfulfilled, you are discouraged, you are depressed, you are defeated. I want you to know that God has a plan for your life and his plan must contain his will and purpose for who you are. You have to get rooted in the purpose of who he is and his presence in your life. And when you do that, you're going to find your life will be greater, great, more greater fulfilled. It doesn't mean that life will be easier or life will be better, but it does mean that in this middle of the storm, you can still have the joy of the Lord knowing that this world is not my home. I'm not working for this day. I'm working for what God has for me in eternity. And I'll tell you that there's going to come a day that we're going to be in the presence of him forever and ever and ever. And if you don't enjoy the presence of God now, why would you enjoy the presence of God for eternity? You see, you were created for purpose. This word purpose means to reason something out. The reason something is done or created or for which that something exists. So the world's purpose versus the believer's purpose is that there are variables in the world that define purpose for most of the world. As I said earlier, it is things, it's money, it's relationships. I remember as a child that how important Christmas was to me. You remember as a child how awesome Christmas was and, and the thought of getting something? Anybody remember the Sears catalog? You lived for the Sears catalog. Not the, not the clothing section. That's not for Christmas. Socks are not a good item to get kids at Christmas, folks. You can stick candy and nuts in it. It's still not a great item. I remember as a kid growing up with the, the Sears catalog and spending hours flipping through the pages of that catalog, hours especially around the Star Wars toys and, and things. Man, I just couldn't wait. I, I was so blessed that I got an original Millennium Falcon. Woo! Yeah, you know, I'd fly that thing around. I had a remote-controlled R2D. I wish I had those things back, man. I don't know what I'd do with them. I'd hang them in my ceiling or something. I don't know. They were so important to me as a child, and only when you get them, you would play with them for a short period, and then they would lose value and interest to you because you're trying to find something else 
to find purpose and fulfillment in. I remember specifically one, one Christmas, I've shared this before, I wanted a chemistry set. I didn't care about chemistry. I wanted to make stink bombs. <laughs> I had this idea of my hair sticking up and I've got, <laughs> you know. I'm going to mix chemicals together and it's going to explode and maybe drop a stink bomb in my sister's bedroom or, you know, do something fun with it. And I got that chemistry set. It had all these vials and, 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 and chemicals and granules, probably stuff that you couldn't get nowadays. And, and uh, I got it. And I, didn't, I didn't read instructions or nothing. I just started mixing stuff together, you know. Maybe that's the way I, why I am I, like I am, you know. I might have got exposed to something. That's the problem, honey. Don't blame me. Blame the chemistry set. Blame my mom. You see, the confusion, the confusion is in life is when we try to live for ourselves in this world outside of the purpose of God. Life is passing away. And, and, and the truth is, these temporal pleasures of life, if they become your reason for existence, you'll find out that they are just momentary and fleeting. How many of you like vacation? Amen? We're fixing to go to Branson, Missouri. I'm excited about going. We're going to go see the Jesus play. And we're going to be so exhausted when we get through, we're going to come home and take a vacation from our vacation. Y'all know what I'm talking about? My idea of vacation is somewhere in the mountains you find a little cabin that has no cell phone service. Amen? And just sit on that front porch, drink some coffee, walk through the trails a little bit, see the nature. That's, that's really, that's an ideal vacation to me. You'll find that things that are, that, that are so pleasurable and enjoyable really are just fleeting and momentary. And for many, when it comes to their idea of what the purpose of God is in their life, it's really for them, some it's just an attendance occasionally on a Sunday morning service. So they, they come to church and for some it's only a religious devotion or duty. There should be a joy and the honor. And I want you to get this, the privilege to come together with the freedom to worship Jesus in this house. There are people around the world today that do not have the freedom and the privilege to come into this house to worship the living God. But for some, their idea of their purpose related to God is, is, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and my purpose is really I go to church on Sunday morning or maybe even a Wednesday night. I give my offerings or, or a Sunday school or, or, or whatever it is. But in reality, their heart isn't necessarily there because they're hoping that the service will just be shorter. There's a, a, a friend told me about a city where they have a bulletin. Some churches put up this huge uh, advertisement it says guaranteed church in 30 minutes or less if 30 minutes is all you want to spend time with God why don't you just stay home is what I'd say he is worthy of our worship however long it takes to be in his presence could you imagine if it was I come home and it's you know Leslie you got 30 minutes and then I'm going to the bedroom and I'm watching TV that relationship would not really work very well. You see, many will just give God a few hours of their week, a few moments of their time, but I want you to know this, and you can write it down. He wants your life, not your Sunday morning. He wants your life, not your Sunday morning. You see, the purpose of the believer is defined by a few things, and 
we could define it with a lot of things, but I would say, first of all, the purpose for a believer has to be that we are defined, that we become like him. That should be our purpose is to become like him. I would say that the purpose for a believer is that this world is not your home, that you want to be in heaven. You know, as I, as I get a little older and I see this world falling apart, I long for heaven a little more every day. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We planted all these flowers. It's beautiful. I love it. I thank God for it. I told Leslie, everybody wants the flower beds, but nobody wants the work. It's a lot of work. But when you get through at the work and you get to sit back and just enjoy the view. I was thinking about that yesterday morning. I was out there drinking my coffee early. For some weird reason, I woke up at 6 a.m. I think I'm getting old. I think I, I'm just starting to wake up early. Of course, you know, during the week, you know, you're like, please let me stay in bed. But Saturday when you can sleep in, it's like, 5 o'clock, so y'all know what I'm talking about. You young people don't. You old people know what I'm talking about. But I was thinking yesterday, I was looking at those flowers and enjoying the view and the, the peaceful morning. I was thinking, Lord, when I go to heaven, I just want flowers everywhere around my house. I just love it. I want that beauty. And I'll tell you this, I think that the beauty of a flower pales in comparison to the glory and the beauty of what heaven is really going to be like. Forever and ever in the consistent, continual presence of the living God. So it's to become like him. A purpose of a believer is ultimately our destination is not this world, it's heaven. But this is one that so many never really take upon themselves and understand. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus told the disciples, go into the world and make disciples. You know, as... Growing up and, you know, we had children. You know, when Leslie and I got married, we never, we never really had the discussion about kids, honestly. It just, one day she got pregnant, you know. And uh, then she got pregnant again. And then she got pregnant again. And, and we had three children. And they were awesome. And I'll tell you, when they were young, they were difficult. They're still difficult sometimes. Sometimes they never move out of your house. <laughs> And then when they move out, you say, I wish they would move back home. Come on, people. You know what I'm talking about. And they're young. You're like, man, I can't wait till that kid grows up and graduates. And hallelujah, he's gone. She's gone, you know. But I never thought about having children and had any plan or anything of that nature. Just, you know, I knew we'd have kids. And I will tell you this, that is when our children are young, we did so many things. We did baseball. We did uh, soccer, you know, uh, Amber even tried softball, and then she did volleyball, and Danny was kind of our star athlete, basketball and baseball. It just was so much was involved with your kids and things, and then your kids kind of grow up, and then you have to realize, all right, where's our purpose? But I'll tell you that raising those kids and you look back at the value of having them in your life, when you have them, you don't necessarily realize how incredible they are having them until you get older, and then you're like, man, it was such a blessing. I wish we'd had ten. My wife's shaking her head no. <laughs> hey, man, it was really, wasn't that hard for me to have kids, really. <laughs> you see, I said that to say this. There is a fulfillment in birthing something else into the world. You know, you're only a legacy if there are those around you that, to recognize the legacy. And so God's purpose for your life is not just just becoming like him or waiting until we make to heaven. But there has to be a place where you fulfill the will of God where he tells us in Matthew 
that we are to replicate who he is in us in the lives of other people. You know, it says it's better to give than to receive, you know. So there has to be a point where you move from this, I'm just, I'm just barely a, a person who is barely making it in this relationship. I'll go to church and, you know, from week to week I'm hanging on to the hand of Jesus until I die and just hoping I can make it through. No, there has to be a place where you start understanding that Jesus called you, delivered you. You were born again with a distinct purpose that you could take what he's done in you and you can pass it on to another generation. That's called making disciples. That is the will of God. And that's where we will find ultimate and real purpose in life. You know, I often think about it at my funeral, how many people will be there. I've told Leslie that when I die, I want you to put a big, like a, a big spring behind me. And I want the guy, the mortician, to put my finger like this. And at a certain time, I want my body to pop up with my finger like that. And then I want a video to come up and me preaching. And I want people to get saved at my funeral. Yeah. So if I die and that happens to you. Just be ready. I'm going to go out with a bang. So it's becoming like him. It's the pursuit of heaven. It's making disciples. But I would say that in this life that one of the greatest purposes in our life should be the pursuit of his presence. For those of you that have been here any length of time, I would dare say you're learning this about us and about me. There is nothing more important to me on this Sunday morning than the very presence of the living God. Because I know this, that I could preach the most incredibly crafted and eloquent sermon that could not, maybe never impact you. I could do it Sunday after Sunday. But when God's presence in the house and his anointing is upon the word and his liberty is in this place, that's when the real work of the Spirit of God can take place in the lives of God's people. So I will say this, that it's not only that I want to pursue his presence, I have to have the presence of God. If I come into this house and I don't sense the presence of God or the moving of his spirit or the liberty, and I sensed it this morning in the worship, I, I thank God for the freedom and the liberty of the Holy Spirit in this house. Amen? I thank God for what Jesus has already done in preparation. He's already been plowing ground and preparing the soil to receive the seed of the word of God. I thank God for that. But if I get into a place where I don't sense the presence of the Lord, it really disturbs me because I have an, a longing for more of his presence. You know what that is? That's telling me that there's going to come a day that where that fulfillment of being in his presence forever and ever and ever is coming. That's my home, heaven. Amen. So we understand that there is purpose that God has for the believer that many times is really confused by living in this world. So let me talk to you for a moment about finding your purpose. And this word confusion comes up in the midst of that. And so there are many times there are people that struggle with the idea of exactly what is the purpose of God's will for their life. They, they, they pray about it and then don't necessarily get answers and and, and, and I've always been convinced, I want you to get this, I have always been convinced, you can never convince me otherwise, that God does not want to speak to you, to you directly. You don't need a priest to get to, to get to heaven. You need a God by his presence and his spirit speaking to you directly. He doesn't have grandchildren, he has children. 
So he is a personal God that wants to be closer than your shadow, a friend that sticks closer than your shadow. He is your friend. He is your advocate. He is the one that wants to speak into your life. But for many, they are confused about the ability to hear the voice of God. And when it comes to the discernment of the purpose of God, I think that most of the time the confusion that arises is because they've never really come to an understanding of the truth of the gospel. For some, the truth of the gospel being the idea that they've just heard that Jesus died on a cross and they believed in that. But I will tell you, it's much deeper than that. The truth of the gospel is that there has to be a place where you die and he lives. That is the essence of the truth of the gospel. You see, any time that people never come to that understanding of me dying in a sense and him being alive in me and through me because confusion comes when I want to live my will and yet I'm tugged by the Spirit of God to perform the will and the purpose of God. There are many times, and I'm convinced there are lives of people that have spent their entire life in the pursuit of purpose as they define it and never heard the voice of God defining the purpose that really would fulfill them. Let me tell you this. For me personally, I, I, when I was growing up, I wanted to be an astronaut. And uh, I just had that, I just loved the space idea. And I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a comedian. Later on, I started working in grounds crew. I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to be a professional landscaper. But I knew when I was nine years old, I knelt at an altar of prayer in the church of God and bared a little rundown building. And I knew that moment when I got up, God had called me to preach. I didn't, I don't know other than there was this innate thought that I've called you to preach. I remember at nine telling my mom that I was called to preach. And then later on, straying away from that in pursuit of things that, that really were outside the will of God and, and alcohol and things in the world. And, and remember laughing with my friends about that I used to say I was called to preach. But, you know, God has the, the last laugh. Amen. And then I, I started landscaping. I worked on a golf course. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll go to, uh, looked at one point, moving to Florida to, to go to, to school to become a superintendent on a golf course. And I just loved the aspect of the grass and all that. And then, and then while we were uh, working as children, uh, children's parents at, a, at a, a children's home, we had a friend that we were going to church with. He went to Southwest Tech, Southwestern in, in Waxahachie. And I knew God had called me, but I didn't know how I would ever get to a place where I could go to college. And so God put this man in my life. And this man, he said, hey, man, why don't you go to class with me one day? I said, okay, I'll go to class. I go to class with him and sit in class. It was really neat. And he goes, hey, why don't you fill out this application and see if you can get in? It was almost like I was like, okay. So I filled out an application and sent it in. And they accepted me. Can you believe that? And then he said, hey, you got accepted. Let my wife help you find a house to live in. And so Leslie and her went to Waxahachie and they found a little duplex. And, and then he said, listen, I'm bringing my truck and trailer and I'm going to help you load up. And he brought a truck and trailer, loaded up all that stuff into the car, into the trailer, and drove us to Waxahachie, help us unload. And then we found ourselves at Waxahachie, enrolled in school, and I didn't even know how I got there. But God had a purpose. He had a plan. But I had to submit to that purpose and plan for my life. So I believe that confusion comes in as we are trying to live for God's purpose and serve ourselves. If we're going to walk with Jesus, we're going to cast out confusion. And the Bible tells me that the enemy, Satan himself, is the author of confusion. 
when he begins to tell you that you can find pleasure in things and fulfillment in things of this world, that's when confusion and disarray comes in. And you can write this down. You probably heard it. You can't fly with eagles when you live with buzzards. You can't live in the world as the world and walk in the fulfillment of God's purpose. Yes, you are to live in the world. He didn't call us out of this world. We, we don't run from, from lost people. We're to share the gospel. But you are to live in this world of a testimony and an example of a vessel that is surrendered to the will of God and the purpose of God and the restoration of what he always intended, that he would, you would be his container. And when his spirit lives in you, you begin to see as he does. You begin to walk as he does. You begin to speak as he does. And when you find that fulfillment and purpose, you're going to find out you're going to help people change their lives. I used to paint for a living. I had a painting business for years. And I, 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 I really loved it. I don't love it anymore. <laughs> it's hard work. <laughs> and these old bones don't take too well. I love it when I got employees. Amen. It's great. Paint, paint everything. But I can remember after doing some of the jobs that we did, some really incredibly amazing homes, beautiful homes, custom homes that we do faux finishes on and, and stain. We did one job that had doors that were eight foot tall. Let me tell you, you have never lived until you've got to stain and lacquer an eight foot tall door. It's not easy, folks. It takes two to three people to pick the doors up and move them around. But after you got through with the job, you would look back and I'd be so satisfied with, man, that was another good job done. And we'd go on to the next job and another good job done. And you find out as you go through life that really that is just a fleeting moment of satisfaction and fulfillment. I want to tell you this. You need to write it down. Clarity comes from surrender. Clarity comes from surrender. You see, your real purpose is only found in him. Your eternal purpose that really only has value and meaning only happens as you surrender to the will and the purpose of God. I have no doubt there are people that have been called by God to fulfill his will in their life only to find out at the end of their life they did not submit to the will of God. Now, Pastor Thurman, you'd say, you know, I'm not called to preach. No, not everybody's called to preach, but that's not all of the gifts and the ministry of the Holy Spirit that God wants to use in your life. You know what the greatest gift in the ministry you can have your life is the testimony of Jesus around you. You are to be light in darkness. One of our district superintendents said this to us one time. He said, you know, I have people all the time asking me, pray that I'll get this job because these are Christians at this job. And, you know, and I want to be around Christians all the time. And he said, you know, maybe God's called you to a place where it's not Christians so that you would be light in darkness. That's the testimony and the will of God. How else are we going to reach the world if we are just hiding inside these walls? If we're just hiding in our little clans and our groups, there has to be a moment and a place where clarity comes to surrender. You say, Pastor Thurman, I'm fearful. Yes, maybe you're fearful because you don't know how to speak. But it's not real hard to tell people about your grandbabies and your kids. Amen. Anybody proud of their children? I know Jim Menard, you're proud of that he graduated from high school. I see it on Facebook. Amen. That kid is the most athletic kid. I thought Danny was an athlete. James Menard is an athlete. We're proud of our kids. It's not hard to talk about them. I'm proud of my grandbabies. I have the most beautiful grandchildren in the world. If there was a contest, they would win it. I get to say that because I got the mic and I'm up here on the platform. 
I'm proud of them. I don't have any problem talking about them. I'll tell you the most, though, is the reality that I was in a world of darkness. I was lost, but I have been found. And I am proud that Jesus pulled me out of that world. Hallelujah. I am a trophy of the grace of God. And I have no problem with talking to somebody about what he's done for me. Amen. You see, clarity comes from surrender, but finding purpose comes from his presence. Now, for some, presence is defined on Sunday morning when people get the Holy Ghost and they go running around the church. You ever have the Holy Ghost goosebumps? Anybody here ever heard of that? I mean, I, 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 there have been moments where I was a kid and I'd get scared and the hair on my arms would stand up. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'd be like, in the dark, it's like, what's out there? It's a boogeyman, you know. And in the church, sometimes the presence of the Lord is so strong, feed people, literally, you can physically feel the presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit in the house. And I thank God for that. I love that. I want to see more of the presence of Jesus in the house and people finding fresh touches from the Lord and renewing and, and surrender and all these things. And so for some, they define presence only on a Sunday morning. Let me tell you this. The presence of the Lord should be in your home. The presence of the Lord should be in your car. The presence of the Lord should be with you on the job. You don't put the presence of the Lord up on a shelf like you do your Bible. Ooh, amen. There's not a lot of amens, a lot of oh me's in here. Come on. You can find purpose in the presence of the Lord because in his presence, hearts are moved, lives are changed. And when we find purpose under the presence of God, it will change the direction of our life. Let me give you some scriptures about the purpose and the presence of God. In Psalms 139, 7, it says that you can't run from his presence. He said, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, God is there. In Psalms 97, it says everything shakes and melts in his presence. It says the mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord and the presence of the Lord in the whole earth. Isaiah 64 says, oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down and the mountains might shake at your presence. As fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence when you did awesome things for which we did not look. You came down and the mountains shook at your presence. Acts chapter 3 tells us that refreshing comes in the presence. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. And that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before. In the Old Testament, we're told about the showbread. Anybody ever heard of the showbread that was in the temple? So in the temple, in the Old Testament, there were 12 loaves of bread that were there. And each loaf of bread was representative of each 12 tribes of Israel. And literally, the, the, the meaning behind the showbread and it, and it was really bread that was dedicated to the work of God. The only person that could really eat it was the priest of the Lord. And, and, and as I was studying out, they say that this, this bread was representative that the only thing that each tribe needed to sustain in life was God himself. As bread represents food, it represents life. In the New Testament, in 2 Timothy 3.10 Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, and love, and perseverance. In the New Testament, this word purpose is a Greek word, prothesis. And I thought it was interesting when I was studying this out 
that the word prothesis not only means purpose, but in the, in the New Testament, there are times that there is reference made to the showbread that was in the temple. And every time that they use the word showbread in the New Testament, it is that word prothesis. So, so let me get you this. The word purpose is prothesis in the Greek, and they also use the word prothesis to mean showbread. And I thought, why, why is that? What does that mean? I want to tell you this. I believe that it's talking of a connection between the sustaining, life-giving uh, presence of the Lord and you finding purpose in Him. His will is that you find Him. Jesus said it this way. I am the bread of, come on. That's right. So Jesus is the bread of life. And if you want to find purpose in your life, it's going to be found in the presence of God. It's going to be found in a relationship with Jesus. It's going to be found as you surrender to the will and the call of God. Now I want to close out with this. I've got plenty of time. Good. i got, I got like another hour. Hallelujah. Moses found purpose in God's presence. I believe that Moses is really just a great representative from the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, it says, And so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. As a man speaks to his friend, he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people also uh, found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And so consider this nation as your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And I love this is what Moses' response was. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go, presence does not go with us, do not get, bring us up from here. Moses understood that if the presence of God wasn't leading them, they were wandering. Y'all know that, right? There's a world out there that thinks they know exactly the direction that they need to go, but in truth, they're lost in a desert and a wilderness of sin. If you as a believer want to know the, the will of God, and, and the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God, if you want to walk in a steps and a direction in your path, be ordered by the Lord, there has to be righteous living in a life that is surrendered to who he is. Verse 16, he said, For how then I will know that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. Have you ever asked God to show you his glory? Now, Moses knew that he was called to deliver the people of God. And if you know the story of Moses... Moses, you know, was raised in the house of Pharaoh. He was raised, and, and ultimately his mother was called in to take care of him, to the divine providence of God. And God had a plan for Moses' life to be the deliverer, to bring Israel out of the bondage in Egypt. And so Moses being raised in the house of Pharaoh, somewhere along the line, I believe Moses began to understand that there was a calling on his life. And there are many times that we understand the calling that God's got a purpose in our life, but we don't know how to fulfill it. And so somewhere along the line, Moses, he, he, uh, he decided that he was going to deliver Israel. And, and the Bible tells us that he killed an Egyptian soldier. And as a result of that, he was on the run. He left Egypt. 
And then he wandered in the wilderness and he ultimately got married and all those things and became a shepherd. And, and, and for 40 years he's there in that wilderness. And, and I believe it was there in that time that God was getting Moses to a place to understand that if the Lord didn't provide it, if God didn't make it happen, it wasn't going to happen. My point is this. You can pursue things without the presence and the will of God. You'll find that you'll be spinning your wheels in mud. Because ultimately, God's not going to show his glory. He's not going to express his presence and his glory for anybody that wants to live and to receive the glory for themselves. He tells us in the Bible, I will not share my glory with any man. Where there is pride and vanity, God must deal with that. I've shared this story before. When I graduated from Southwestern, I was at the top of my class. I was a straight-A student. I knew everything. And then I went. And the Lord, I thought I was going to go on and get my master's and doctorate. And, you know, I asked for a scholarship and they turned me down. They said I wasn't qualified for the scholarship. And, and I was mad. And the Lord said, you know, I thought you wanted me to close the door. God began to speak to me. I said, all right, God, I'll submit to your will. And the Lord sent me out to Robert Lee, Texas. And, and they called me in the midst of that. And they said, hey, this, this scholarship is available. We, we made a mistake when we told you you weren't qualified. But I turned them down because I knew God was sending me to Robert Lee. Anybody ever been out to West Texas? If you've ever been out there, I always said this. You go south of Abilene, you turn right at Bront, and then in the literal middle of nowhere is Robert Lee, Texas. It's like a desert. You know what? God sent me into a desert experience. And I didn't want to go because, you know, I should be pastoring a big church. I should be doing some big, incredible Ministry. I was God's man of the hour and power. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I was so vain and full of pride that the Holy Spirit says, i got to get you to a place where I can get that out of you because I want to use you. And he did, folks. He made me realize that if he didn't show up, I could do nothing. And then all those years, God's been teaching me and working in me and working through me and helping me and showing me and dealing with all the rottenness that was in me that he was trying to get out because he had a plan to bring me to community church. And this work here cannot be restored with people walking in pride and vanity. We must walk in humility because if God don't build the house, we labor in vain. Amen. That's the truth. So Moses was in school. He knew God had called him. He knew that he was called to be a deliverer. And he learned, I think, ultimately that he couldn't do it. And his failure, I want you to know, write this down. His failure was the beginning of Israel's deliverance. Think about that for a moment. His failing and, and killing that Egyptian soldier was really the beginning of the Israel's deliverance because it was from that moment that God could really begin to work through Moses. And I want you to notice this. I just read it. Moses said, I want to find grace. Show me that I have found grace in your sight. You know what I think Moses was struggling with? Where he failed in Egypt. All the things of the past, God, I can't do this. I can't go anywhere. I can't make a step without your presence. Could you imagine being called to deliver a nation? It would only be under the power and the authority of God. You could not walk in pride and vanity and see that, that happen. And if you know the story, Moses, as he was out with his sheep, he saw the burning bush, and Moses literally had to walk towards the fire. He had to turn from his direction 
and go towards that burning bush. And when he got near it, the Lord told him to take off his sandals because it was holy ground. And it was here, I believe, that Moses really, truly found his purpose. And this is what God said to Moses in Exodus 3, 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and Hittites and Amorites and Perizzites and all the ites. Verse 9, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel comes to me. I have also seen their oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. You see, when the Lord showed up with Moses, he said, Listen, I've come down to deliver my people. But yet we find that the Bible tells us that Moses goes, and he he goes to to Egypt, and ultimately the plagues come and all these things. You know what Moses was? He was only a vessel for the will and the purpose of God. Moses was just a man like any other man. But he was a man that was chosen with a will and a purpose of God. And I want you to know this. You as the individual have been chosen with the will and the purpose of God. I said it to you in the beginning. You whom God predestined. Whom God predestined, you are, <clears throat> you are sitting here today under the divine plan and purpose of God to hear this message. This is a burning bush moment for many of you in this room. You have chased in vain things out there that when you reach out to get them, they only fall apart. How many of you know that when the stock market goes down, your retirement can go down? Come on. Anybody been familiar with the term inflation? Inflation's hitting in America right now. It is. I was listening to one economist. He's, they're expecting like 25% inflation by the end of the year. If, if you go out and build anything and you try to buy some lumber, you're going to know something's going on. It, it, it's going to shut the construction industry down. It's getting beyond the ability for it to sustain. So when we chase things that are passing and fleeting and we're trying to get a hold of them and we're trying to hold on to them so desperately what you're going to find the thing that you think that is secure in your life can literally fall apart and be gone tomorrow so what the holy spirit's wanting to do in your life he's wanting to anchor you in a new purpose and a new destiny if if this church was sold out and surrendered to the will of god if every person in this room led one person to jesus one person to christ one person to jesus you would fill this house up to flowing and there would have to be multiple services. I want you to get this because there's a reason. The Bible says it this way, that God uh, called Moses to, uh, he spoke to him as a friend does face to face. This word face or paneum in the, in the Hebrew, it is the exact same word for presence. So in the Old Testament sense, Moses was blessed by the fact that nobody could really get into the presence of God. That's why he said, you know, my people have found grace, you have found grace, and so now because my people have grace and and you have found grace in my sight, my presence is coming into this house. And so some of you, maybe you've struggled with this idea of, of walking in the presence of God, experiencing the presence of God because you're unworthy. Let me get it in your heart. You are unworthy. You're rotten. Come on, I'm rotten. Some of you say, yeah, don't don't be looking at your husband. (laughs) 
If our hearts were really open and revealed the things that we think at times, come on. Hey, if you drive in Orange, Texas, y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, I drive with my wife. I know how it is. She's always telling me, settle down, be patient. I live off 1442. In the last week, I hit that stupid train three times. And then they were changing tracks or something with some other. I, I was about to get up there and go talk to those railroad people in the name of Jesus. Don't they know we got important things to do? We are all susceptible to those things. Many times I think people that they've listened to the lies of the enemy, he's condemned them and made them believe that because you're unworthy, you can't come near God. The Bible's very explicit in this. The only reason you can is because of his grace and his mercy. Your holiness, your righteousness, the Bible says, is as a filthy rag. And not to be vulgar, but if you don't know this, that literally means a menstrual cloth. That's how explicit it was talking about. At at our best, we are rotten. And it's only through the presence of the grace of God that the presence of the Lord can flow into this house today. There is not one person that is person is righteousness enough to receive it. It was only because of his mercy and grace and ultimately the death of his son on the cross. I mean, think about this for a moment, folks. Um, if we knew that this nation was going to falter tomorrow, our government collapse, our army disappear. Think about this for a moment. If, 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 if we knew that tomorrow that this was going to absolutely turn into complete chaos and disorder and lawlessness, we, we kind of on that verge. Where would you find real purpose and meaning? The things, the things, that, you, the things that you have in your life can never define who you are. But yet we are so anchored and focused in this life, in this world, but we are believers. We've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We have been called out of a world of darkness with the distinct plan and the purpose of God to bring other people out of bondage in Egypt. God didn't say, come and draw them near to me, enjoy the fire of the bush, and stay around the bush. Just stay here, Moses. You know, I I come down so you and I can just have a good time. Yet we treat the presence of the Lord in that capacity. I preach a message. It's called spiritual pigs. Yeah. We just get and get and get and there's never a give. You were created to be the conduit of the presence of God into a world of darkness. You see... Moses spoke to God face to face as a a friend does with a friend. And I want you to know that God has called me as the pastor of Community Church to call you to a place where you can speak to God face to face. For some, that that God is this existent being in a far off heaven or the God of a dusty Bible or the God that Pastor Lloyd talks about. But he wants to be your friend. When you wake up in the morning, he says, good morning, sunshine. Even if your breath's bad, amen. And your hair don't look good, ladies, come on. When you wake up in the morning and you're, 
you're there. He's just loving on you. He, he wants that, and he wants to be close with you. And if we'll get to a place in where we'll say, you know, <clears throat> there's some that struggle with this idea because of what Pentecostals have done where they've made serving God in the presence of the Holy Spirit weird. I, I'm just, that's the honest truth, right? There's some people, they get a little strange when the Holy Ghost shows up. I heard they called her sister Choo Choo. She used to go, woo, woo, when the Holy Spirit would hit her. Now, let me tell you, that's her physical response to the Holy Spirit. That wasn't the Holy Spirit telling her to go woo, woo. I love the presence of God. I love the gifts of the Spirit. But the thing I long for the most is for people to surrender to Jesus in these altars. For lost sons and daughters... I want us to be impacting people living in darkness in greater ways. So as the pastor of Community Church, I was called here by God to restore, rebuild, and refresh. And that doesn't just mean this building or just this congregation. But ultimately, that's his presence in your life. Can you agree with me we can get off track? Everybody, you got to get off track in your life. There's been some moments you thought that the job that you were going after would be the, the end all of everything and everything's going to be great because that last job was so bad and that boss was so bad and then you get this new job and that boss is even worse. Y'all know what I'm saying? So you go look for another job. We do that in jobs. We do that in relationships. We do that with houses. We do that with things, the things that we think we want so desperately. They're, they're great and shiny until they're not shiny. I love my new truck. It's awesome. I love it. I love it. Just dreading the day when I get a scratch on it. But the shiny's already kind of worn off a little bit. Because I want a 2022 now, amen. <laughs> I want to invite the worship team to come. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, if you remember, and he was there, and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me and, and, and his death and all of that. And, and then he cried out with a loud voice. And the Bible says that he gave up his spirit. Death didn't take him. I want you to get this, folks. Death did not take Jesus. Jesus surrendered to death. Death has no power over life. But something incredible happened. The place violently shook. Y'all remember that? And even the soldiers are like, this must have been God. Do you remember what happened in the temple? In the temple, the veil, which was this really thick piece of cloth, tore in two. And you, why, why, why did that tear in two? I think there's a couple of reasons that that veil tore in two. That veil was a place that the priest went behind and, and, and offered the sacrifice. It was called the Holy of Holies. It was there that the presence of God was considered to be. And nobody could be in the presence of God. So when the veil tore in two, it, it showed... It was representative of this fact that now that everybody has access into the presence and the holy holies, the presence of God. But I think it did something else, too, that was incredible. If you don't know the history of Israel, there was something that they carried. It was the ark of the presence of the Lord. Y'all remember the ark? Anybody ever see Indiana Jones and the ark? Of, yeah. And, and there in that was the, I think it was the jar with almond and the staff and things that were in that ark. I can't remember exactly what was all there. But on top of that ark, there was two cherubim that were facing each other, and that was the mercy seat. That was where the presence of God was representative. 
But if you know the history of Israel, that actually when that veil was torn in two, that was where the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be. But if you don't know that, you know, through the captivity and all the things, somewhere along the way, they lost the Ark. You know, it's incredible. They kept on going just like the Ark was there. They get behind the Ark and go offer the sacrifice. There's no Ark back there. I think that when Jesus died, it not only represented the reality that, that the presence of God was now available to every person that would come to him because of his grace and mercy, but it was also representative that there was a vain religious worship that was going on in Israel. There was no presence behind the curtain. You know, God is so loving and merciful times that he'll pull back the curtain in our lives and show the emptiness that's really there. Maybe you come into this house with a smile. Maybe you look good. You, you dudded up and you got your makeup just right and your hair just right. And, you know, you got the cologne on and you smell good. You look good. You smile. And you, and, but, in, but in reality, there's really just an emptiness, a terrible darkness and an emptiness and a void that's in you. I want to tell you, this is not to condemn you. This is just to tell you that that void can be a place of absolute total joy and fulfillment when the presence of God comes into you. When the mercy of God shows up. We're moving towards Pentecost Sunday. Now we're going to celebrate the fact that Pentecost really is about harvest and about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. People are going to be healed and delivered. I'm looking forward. It's going to be incredible. But I want to prepare you for something. Right now, today, the Holy Spirit can fall in this house. We don't have to wait till next Sunday. You. He wants more for your life. He wants purpose in your life. He wants to give real meaning in your life. One day, should the Lord tarry, every one of us will lay these bodies down and be at a grave. And another generation will come up. Our names may be forgotten, things that we've done, you know. I might just be old Pastor Thurman that, yeah, pastored that church way back when. I don't know. But more than anything, we want our lives to have lasting value and meaning in this life and the life that's to come. And that begins with the presence of Jesus. Stand with me this morning. Lord Jesus, you called us to make disciples called us to live a life of purpose and meaning and that's only found in surrender at the foot of the cross that we must die we must as your word says if anyone would come after me and follow me he must deny himself take up his cross so today father in the name of Jesus I pray that in this room that as believers that we not be off track but we get on track with what your purpose is it's redeeming a lost world it's transforming lives it's healing it's binding the darkness. It's pulling down strongholds. It's bringing freedom into a world of darkness. God, I'm asking and praying, Holy Spirit, that you get Community Church on task. You get us, Lord. We need a burning bush moment. We need a divine intervention, God, that by your Spirit, you're speaking in this house to every heart. Holy Spirit, we open ourselves up to you right now. Jesus, lift your hands to the Lord. Lord, we surrender. I surrender to your purpose this morning. 
I surrender to your will for my life. I bind principalities and powers and darkness that would come up over your people. I bind the enemy that would bring confusion where your spirit wants to bring clarity. Lord, we lay down our lives, God. Hallelujah. We lay down our lives for your will and your purpose. Lord, this world is not our home. I pray, God, you help us to see that in reality, that our hope is not fixed upon this world or the things of this world. Our hope is fixed upon who you are. We lay down who we are, Father, today in the name of Jesus to find your will and your purpose. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed this morning. We've got a few moments. Holy Spirit speaking to you. You want prayer this morning. You want to make a fresh dedication, a fresh surrender of your life, to finding that purpose in your life again. I'm going to invite you to come this morning and allow the Spirit of God to begin to speak to you and that we want to pray with you and believe with you this morning. So as the worship team continues worshiping this morning, this is an opportunity and an altar call to come this morning. So come this morning. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak. Allow the Holy Spirit to touch your life. Come this morning. Go ahead, worship team. God, there's nobody like you, God. There's nobody like you, God. And there will never be.
for listening to today's episode. If you would like to learn more about Community Church, you can visit our website at ccorange.org or come follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash community orange. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll see you next time.